Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome in to the Crimson Corner Podcast. It's powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host, Trevor Allen. I'm also your Utes Insider. So glad to have you guys aboard. We've got a very busy show for you. We will preview the linebackers for Utah. Who could uh, be the guy to step up in place of Francis Bernard? And how big of a leap will Devin Lloyd make heading into his junior year? And some other guys that could contribute at the linebacker spot coming up in 2020 and then we'll also talk about story i did over at kslsports.com where i ranked utah's opponents in 2020 by order of easiest to hardest and i've gotten a little bit of flack about it but i'm gonna tell you why i have each team ranked where they are when we go through it but just a couple of news and notes to get to real quick as i also remind you guys to follow me on twitter at trevor a sports and at KSL Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And then if you want to follow me on Instagram as well, I'm at Trevor Allen KSL. I haven't posted much. I'm more of a follower on uh, Instagram, but I'm going to be better at posting on Instagram in the coming weeks. Some news uh, coming out that uh, former Utah guard Justin Bibbins has agreed to a deal with a team in Poland. Uh, This will be the second time that Bibbins will head back to Poland. He began his pro career in Poland um, where he averaged 17 points per game. And then he was recently over in Serbia and Hungary last season. So congratulations to former Ute Justin Bibbins. And then uh, something else to keep an eye on is that Utah Athletics sent out a survey to Utah football season ticket holders with potential changes to 2020 home games. Some of the questions that that you would see on that, if you were not a season ticket holder, this is a lot of good information. Um, If you are a season ticket holder and you've got that survey, then you already know what I'm talking about. They asked, how comfortable are you returning to Rice-Eccles Stadium? Extremely comfortable, comfortable, neither comfortable nor uncomfortable, uncomfortable, extremely uncomfortable. I will not be returning to Rice-Eccles Stadium this year. Those were the options. What factors would help you feel more comfortable and they had you rank them? Uh, first one is to require all fans to wear masks, a vaccine, public health regulations being followed by the government and the CDC guidelines, knowing that mandatory symptom checks are required before entering the stadium, knowing seats, restrooms, common areas are clean, sanitized hourly. There is nothing that will make me feel more comfortable maintaining social distancing protocols, cleaning, sanitizing supplies, 
are made readily available to all fans and other. And then would you be willing to arrive at Rice Eccles Stadium at a designated time to reduce lines at the entrance? It's a yes or no question. When entering and exiting the stadium, what would be your preference? Select all that apply. Allow fans to enter exit at any location at any time. Require specific arrival times based on seat location and also require specific portal entrances and exits based on seat selection and then also other, which they ask you to specify. When entering the stadium, what would you feel more comfortable? And they had your rank. Arrival at a specific time. Require social distancing between fans entering the stadium. Also require temperature checks. Require fans to sanitize and wash hands before entering stadium. And finally, require all fans to wear face masks. If any, what are your concerns about coming back to Rice-Eccles Stadium? Please rank public health regulations not being followed. Fans not adhering to social distancing protocols. I don't have any concerns. Returning without a vaccine. The stadium not being properly disinfected. Readjustment to new fan experience. It feels unsafe to return to the stadium too early. Having in-person interactions with others. Sitting too close to other fans. Using common areas such as restrooms and shops. Ordering food. Availability of disinfecting materials or personal protective equipment. Or others which is specified. Where are your seats? That was a question on there. How would you feel most comfortable regarding your seats for the 2020 football season? They had you rank this as well. Only allow certain sections to be open. Require fans to wear masks during the game. Access to disinfection wipes. Require one row vacant in between each seating groups. Access to hand sanitizer. Increase cleaning and sanitation. Require ushers to ensure social distancing. Require six feet separation in the seating bowl from other groups of individuals and require at least one seat to be open on either side between seats. And then some other questions include in trying to maintain social distancing, what would be your preference regarding restrooms doors being propped open with designated one way to enter one way to exit signage, increased sanitation of restrooms during the game, installing hands-free door openers by section, where you're able to request that fans access restrooms at designated times throughout the game to encourage social distancing, access to hand sanitizer, require new line format that encourages social distancing, only utilizing every other stall or urinal, clear defined line markings to encourage social distancing while waiting, provide additional portable restrooms outside of the stadium that can be accessed during the game, require mask when using restroom, and limit number of people inside the restroom. So there's a few more questions here, and we'll go through those. But this is pretty good information. You guys can check out the full story that Tom Hackett did over at KSLSports.com. Three more questions. If changes were made regarding food at Rice Eccles Stadium, what would be your preference? Select all that apply. Touchless transactions, which is no cash or handling credit cards. Specific times to visit food options based on seat section. Seat delivery of food via website or app. Notification via website or, or app of when your food is ready to be picked up. No common areas for condiments, straws, utensils. Increased sanitation of food providers. How would you want to receive communication about returning to the stadium and game day instructions? Email, social media, download, uh, mobile app, Utah Athletics website or other. How do you plan to travel to football games this year? My personal vehicle, carpool with family or friends in one vehicle, public transportation tracks, public transportation bus, ride sharing, which is Uber or Lyft, or walk. And then lastly, they want you to provide any suggestions on how to make the transition back to Rice Cycle Stadium easier. And that was a survey that was sent out to the season ticket holders for Utah football. 
and it was a handful. It wasn't to every single season ticket holder because keep in mind, their families, groups, and all that. So I think that they sent like per group or something like that. So um, you guys can read more about that over at kslsports.com. Uh, one other piece of news before we get into uh, today's show: um, eight locals are going to be featured on HBO's Hard Knocks series. So of what they do, if you've never seen it, Hard Knocks that airs exclusively on HBO, they profile a team and follow a, a team around in the NFL during preseason, during training camp. And they do everything from showing you behind the scenes, uh, showing you practices, um, except for, you know, the, the like plays and stuff. Um, and they even take you behind the scenes of players who are getting cut by the team. So the uh, two teams that are highlighted on Hard Knocks this year are the Los Angeles teams, the Chargers and the Rams. From former Utah players, two guys will be highlighted on Hard Knocks, and that is Terrell Burgess with the Rams after being taken in the third round of the 2020 NFL Draft. And with the Chargers is starting tackle Sam Tevin, who will be entering his fourth NFL season, and he's played all of his seasons with the Chargers. Okay, time to get into... The linebackers for Utah. Now, just to go through some of the guys, obviously Devin Lloyd had a breakout season in 2019 when he was put in the starting lineup at following the departure of Penn State graduate transfer Manny Bowen when he just decided to quit playing football. Lloyd finished his sophomore campaign with a team-high 91 tackles and then also had 6.5 sacks and 11 tackles for loss in 14 games played. He was named Pac-12 honorable mention. I think he'll probably get over 100 tackles this year. I mean, if, if he keeps it at this rate, especially with such a young team. But you guys also heard the interview um, that I did with him a couple of weeks ago here on this podcast. He's a guy who, who already knows that he is going to be expected to be a leader. He was already named a, a spring captain during spring ball, which obviously ended up only being three practices. But he and uh, Mika Tafua were named spring captains, and they were the only two returning starters on defense. And then some other guys who have a little bit of experience on this team that could help out and be that other linebacker with Devin Lloyd because, as you know, Utah plays a nickel package primarily, but there are times where they go into, into a 4-3 where they have three backers, but in nickel it's just two linebackers. And that, were, that was where it was, it was Francis Bernard and Devin Lloyd whenever they were in the nickel. Now some guys to look forward to. Sophomore Andrew Mataafa has, has the potential to be a very good linebacker. He's a guy that could start making plays for Utah as soon as this season. He was already projected to be the uh the starter alongside Lloyd and linebacker on the uh, spring ball depth charts, but he used the red shirt in 2018 and then played in seven games, had five tackles and a pass breakup last year. And then there's a guy who's going to have to make a little bit of, of an adjustment to linebacker, and that is uh, junior Nephi Sewell. He's going to need to be productive for Utah this year. He uh, transferred to Utah from Nevada after playing at Desert Hills in St. George, Utah. He was ineligible for most of the season last year, but was eligible to play the final three games against Colorado, Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, and Texas in the Alamo Bowl, but he was playing safety. And then the coaches during the offseason decided to switch him over to linebacker during the offseason. So he's a guy who has played a lot of football, played on defense. He's a guy who can make plays, especially in coverage, having played safety. But now we'll see what he can do when he has to uh, rush the quarterback or you know try and get, try and get into the backfield. Uh, another guy who was also projected to start at stud linebacker, that would be if Utah was in a 4-3, as sophomore Hayden Fury. He played five games on special teams last year. He is from Westlake High School. And then a couple of walk-ons, Samuel Elisaya 
is in contention to get some reps. He, at least he was during spring ball. He, he was projected as one of the backups. He's a Snow College transfer and the son of Utah's director of sports performance for football, Doug Elisaya. Samuel U was on the scout team in each of the last two seasons at Utah. He's a senior this year for the Utes, but he is a walk-on. And then another guy who, who has ties to, to the Utes is junior walk-on, Moroni Anai. Now, the last name sounds familiar. He is the cousin of Bradley Anai. Uh, coming into spring, he was projected to be the backup to Devin Lloyd, but Moroni was a member of the scout team each of the last two years. And then a guy who, it's still some question marks, Junior Sione Lund. He was a guy who came to Utah after playing at Stanford. He was a four-star running back out of Brighton High School and signed with Stanford and then transferred to Utah, moved over to defense, went to linebacker, and he was he was a little bit deeper on depth chart. But when Trenton Carlson, when it wasn't panning out with him, Sione Lund was that guy who would step in as the backup to one of the two linebackers, to Bernard or Lloyd, or he would be that third linebacker when they would switch to the 4-3 formation. But at the start of spring ball, Kyle Whittingham announced that Lund was suspended and that he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to be back with the team or not. And we still haven't heard much on it, so there's that. So we will see what happens with him in the coming weeks leading up to the season. All right, and then some newcomers. I've been watching film on, on these guys as I've been as I got ready for this uh, podcast and also for this piece that I wrote over at kslsports.com. But Utah signed three linebackers in their 2020 recruiting class. One of the really good ones is, is three-star linebacker Sione Fotu from Bingham High School. He's 6'1", 225 pounds. He can make plays by blasting through the line of scrimmage and deliver a big hit. He does a great job of finding the ball, especially in traffic and making the tackle. He's uh, quick on his feet when, when he finds the ball and just explodes to the ball handler. But he did not enroll at Utah during the spring semester, but is expected to show up in, during fall camp. Another guy is Graham Faluna. Uh, he is a three-star prospect from South Lake, Texas. His uh, film showed very physical hits and attempts to rip out the ball while in the middle of making a tackle. Like Fotu, he did not enroll at Utah during spring semester. And then another guy is Jeremy Mercier. Uh, he is a transfer from Hohokam Junior College in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, I think that he could be a guy who could come in right away and help, especially with his uh, background of playing a linebacker. But he also played safety in junior college, which will help him in coverage. But he showed great ability to break through blocks and make tackles. Um, his body's built a little bit bigger than, than your typical linebacker. And, and when I mean bigger, you know, he's, he's a little more stout, which is fine because you want your linebackers that way. Anyway, but especially for safety, he, he was a lot bigger than, than your average safety whenever he would play safety in junior college, but he'll use that to his advantage. All right, starter predictions. Obviously, Devin Lloyd is going to start, and I think he'll likely be at, at Mac linebacker. If Sione Lund doesn't return by fall camp, I would expect Andrew Mataafa to start at Rover, and if Utah moves to a 4-3 rather than nickel, I think that, that Nephi Sewell can play that, that stud linebacker position. But I also think even if Sione Lund does get reinstated, um, I think he's in contention. I don't think he's starting right away because he, he's missed some time. But I think that the guys who could really be in contention for those spots are Sione Foto, Sione Lund, Hayden Fury, and Moroni and I. All right, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we'll talk about my uh, story that I did where I ranked Utah's opponents coming up uh, in the 2020 season. You're listening to the Crimson Corner Podcast. Thank you. 
Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back into the Crimson Corner Podcast. Trevor Allen here with you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, you guys are going to want to check out kslsports.com. While others out there are having to cover news in that, we are not at uh, kslsports.com. We're covering sports news, but we're also providing great content for you over there, especially with the Utes. And so I would I would recommend highly to head over to kslsports.com. And what you'll find is my rankings for Utah's opponents. I got a little flack for this, and it wasn't from Ute fans. It was more from Wyoming fans than anything, which I didn't think I had many followers on Twitter that are Wyoming fans. But what I'll do is go through the rankings from easiest to hardest on Utah's schedule and tell you why. So we start with number 12, the Montana State Bobcats. That's Utah's annual team out of the FCS that they play every year. It's basically a scrimmage. We all know that. Although the Bobcats are are decent. Again, I'm not trying to put any teams down, but Idaho State was not very good last year. The Bobcats were. They reached the semifinals of the FCS playoffs last year. And they have a really good defense, and, and they're known to run the football. And that game is on Saturday, September 12th at Rice Eccles Stadium. Coming in at number 11, Colorado Buffaloes. I know I was asked a little bit as to why Colorado so low on my rankings, but the thing is they went 5-7 and seven last season, had a 3-6 and six conference record, but there's you know a couple of things. One, you lose your, your starting quarterback in Steven Montez, and, you, and, now, and now you have a quarterback battle. You also lose one of your star wide receivers in LaVisca Chenault uh, when he went off to the NFL a year early. And then out of nowhere, you lose a coach who had this program trending in the right direction in Mel Tucker when he bolted to go to Michigan State. And then they bring in a guy in Carl Durrell who has been a head coach in college football before when he was the UCLA head coach from 2003 to 2007. But the thing is, you've got a lot of question marks now. The one player on offense that I think will have a big year for the Buffs will be incoming junior running back Alex Fontenot. He had 874 yards last year and five touchdowns. I would really expect those numbers to go up and his load to increase, especially with a new quarterback. Um, On defense, uh, linebacker Nate Landman had 114 tackles. He's back this year. And the Utes and Buffs will uh, square off in the regular season finale in Boulder on Saturday, November 28th. And then here's the one where I got flack. Number 10, the Wyoming Cowboys. I'm not going to deny the fact that Wyoming had a great year last year. They went 8-5, and five, had, went 4-4 four and four in conference play. They're also right up there again this year to, to play in the Mountain West Championship game. But also the Utes have won the last four matchups, or 10-2 against the Cowboys when they were conference opponents. The last meeting was in Laramie in 2010. Utah won that game 30-6. to six, But things have gone in the up and up. They do bring back quarterback Sean Chambers, who threw just under 1,000 yards, but also rushed for 500 yards and 10 touchdowns. But then junior running back Xavier Valade is back after a 1,000-yard season as a sophomore. And they've also got a lot of some guys back on defense, but they're also bringing in a new coordinator since their, their previous coordinator, Jake Dickert, 
left to join Nick Rolovich at Washington State. But Wyoming has five starters on offense with completely new starters at the wide receivers and two new starters on the offensive line. And then on defense, they, they bring back five starters as well. So you look at that. You're bringing in a lot of, a lot of new guys. More than half of your starters are gone from last year. And you also, again, I'm not trying to discredit the Mountain West because it is a good conference. But the Pac-12 and the Mountain West are obviously on different level playing fields for a reason. Now, this game will be a little bit more challenging than of what most people would normally expect of a Utah-Wyoming game just because of Utah's new faces as well. Plus, it's in Laramie. But I still don't think that it's as difficult of a game because Utah's been so good in non-conference play, regardless of who they've been against during the Kyle Whittingham era and even during the uh, Pac-12 era. So that's a lot of the reasons why is that – you know, they're in the Mountain West. They also have a lot of new guys coming in, so that's one of the reasons why. And then at number nine, you have the Arizona Wildcats. They're really trending down, uh, if you will. I mean, Kevin Sumlin, they went 4-8 and eight last year uh, with a 2-7 and seven conference record. Uh, he changed his, his coaching staff with a new coordinator on defense. Utah has won the last four meetings. Quill Tate's gone, which... He had a little bit of a disappointing career, and I think a lot of that was when Kevin Sumlin came in and tried to turn him into a, a throwing quarterback. They also don't have J.J. Taylor anymore, but they're turning the running game over to Gary Brightwell. But they also have a young, good quarterback in Grant Gannell who was getting a lot of playing time, was splitting reps with Quill Tate last year as a true freshman. He's a kid who set Texas records in high school. Um, and then you look at their defense. Colin Schooler is back as well as Tony Fields. The linebacker duo, they're both really, really good. They only bring back 11 starters, four on offense only, and seven on defense. So I think it's going to be a little bit of an easier game for Utah, especially because it's at home on November 7th at Rice-Eccles Stadium. And then you look at the UCLA Bruins, who for a little bit last year was in, in contention for the Pac-12 South title. But after their 49-3 loss to Utah, which snapped their winning streak, the Bruins went on to lose the last two games of the year. But they do bring back junior quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who threw for 2,700 yards last year, 21 touchdowns, but also 12 picks. So he needs to be better at making the right decisions. And then the running game lost 1,000-yard rusher Joshua Kelly, but that means that it'll go to Demetric Felton at running back coming up. But on defense, they'll have almost a, a completely new look with only three starters returning from last year, including Javelin Gidry's brother, who plays safety. The Bruins come in at number eight on my list. Number seven is the Washington State Cougars. I think with a new quarterback, and I, I think that this is going to be a couple-of-year process for the Cougars because normally of what Coach Leach did when he was up on the Palouse, he would bring in graduate transfer quarterbacks, would make them throw the ball all the time. That was the air raid. Well, Nick Rolovich is similar, but he's not complete air raid. He does throw the ball a lot, but not as much as Mike Leach. But they're going to go with, uh, a couple of guys that are not seniors that will be competing for the quarterback job. And one of them is Lehigh High School product, Cameron Cooper. Right now, according to Athlon Sports, he is projected to be the starting quarterback for Washington State. But a guy who does come back is running back Max Borgie. He's really, really good. And the Cougars bring back six starters on offense with two wide receivers and three offensive linemen and a running back. On defense, they're going to have a lot more experience with seven starters back the secondary will have the least amount of experience, though, among that unit. And Utah will be going up to Martin Stadium in Pullman, Washington on Saturday, October 10th. 
Then coming in at number six, the BYU Cougars. People are saying, well, you either have them too high or too low. Well, I, ha- I think I have them right where they ought to be, especially having won the last nine meetings against the Cougars. But this is going to be a little bit of a tougher game. I think that I have them at, at number six because they are at home. If it was in Provo, I think they would probably be a little bit higher up that list. But they also have, I mean, people have said it, and I, I'm going to reiterate that. They have a lot of starters coming back. Six starters on offense, including four guys on the offensive line, and seven starters are back from last season on defense. Utah, we all know how much new talent are, are coming in and how many starters they lost. If BYU is going to beat Utah, it's this year. If not, I don't know when they will. And then coming in at number five is the Oregon State Beavers. This one I, I, I got a little bit of grief for. It was mainly from Wyoming fans. They're like, how do you have Oregon State all the way up to five, but you don't have Wyoming higher on here? Well, here's why. Their defense is going to be really, really good. You know, even though they lost a lot of production on offense with Jake Luton, Artavius Pierce, the running back, and wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins are all off to the NFL. They do have Jamar Jefferson, who rushed for 685 yards and eight touchdowns last year while being injured throughout the year. But on defense, they have, they have six starters, including stud linebacker Hamilcar Rashad Jr. He's a guy who could have gone to the NFL, but rather decided to come back for his senior year. And he led the, the entire country, I believe, in tackles for loss. But at least the conference. So I think that this is going to be more of a challenging game especially because they're going to have youth at quarterback. They have a good running back, but their defense is really, really good. I think that they're going to be in the top half of the conference. And then coming in at number four, the Washington Huskies. Despite losing their head coach, Chris Peterson, you know, Jimmy Lake's been there, and he's done a great job of being able to recruit, being able to bring in some top recruits despite Chris Peterson leaving. Washington's really good. A guy to watch for to have a big year is Orem star wide receiver Puka Nakua. He's a kid who I think will have a breakout season. Um, only four starters on offense are back, and they lost their starting quarterback and Jacob Eason to the NFL, and they lost running back uh, Savon Ahmed. And then on defense, Washington brings back seven starters, and the game is played at Rice-Eccles Stadium. But the fact that the Huskies signed the second highest-rated class in 2020 in the Pac-12, they're bringing in some really talented guys, and I think that they've got plenty of good quarterbacks to choose from and then at number three got the california golden bears and people are like what the golden bears after going eight and five last year the golden bears are going to be even better this year and that's as long as chase garbers the quarterback is healthy but they bring back nine starters on offense including garbers running back chris brown and the entire offensive line is back and the Golden Bears only lost three starters from last season on defense. And all three were drafted in the 2020 NFL draft, including Evan Weaver. So they lost two safeties and a linebacker. And on top of that, the game is played in Berkeley. So that's why I have them at number three. And then number two is the Arizona State Sun Devils. Herm Edwards has done a tremendous job with this Sun Devil program in just two seasons at the helm. Uh, they went 8-5 and five last year. But now he, he brings in a new coordinator on offense and has two NFL veterans taking over as defensive coordinators, Marvin Lewis and Antonio Pierce. But the guy who's coming back that everyone's looking at is Jaden Daniels, the quarterback, who was a Utah commit but w- decided to go to Arizona State. But they're also bringing back some guys. I know that they lost Brandon Ayuk 
and they lost Eno Benjamin. Herm Edwards has done a great job with this team, and the game is played at Sun Devil Stadium in the second-to-last week of the season. And then at number one is the USC Trojans. And having talked to Clay Helton on this podcast, I think that they're going to be much better. And even though Clay Helton's seat's getting warm, I still think that they're going to be turning around this this team. Keaton Slovis is back. He is the guy now, at least for the next two seasons, for the Trojans. But they also bring back wideout duo Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Tyler Vaughn. So those guys are both really, really good. And then you have Bingham standout Jay Tufele coming back on defense. He's among the eight starters that are back. The game is going to be played at Rice-Eccles Stadium on Friday, October 2nd. So that's my rankings for Utah's opponents. You guys can tweet at me, at Trevor A. Sports, to give me your thoughts. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Crimson Corner Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, follow me on Twitter, at Trevor A. Sports, or at KSL Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, the Crimson Corner Podcast is powered by KSLSports.com. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.